0: want to welcome our satellites and thank you for being with us and for those who watch this online and thankful for all those folks who are joining us from San Diego, yay San Diego, uh, to Georgia, to all over, Colorado, our Colorado peeps, thanks for being with us, and then all over the LA area, so thankful for that. If you've got your study guide, go ahead and turn to page 21, that's where there'll be some scripture that we'll be looking at, and some notes as we continue on this journey in Romans, and we're in Romans chapter 12. I am glad you're here this morning. I was praying, God, bring people this morning because here's what I want to have happen for us this morning. I want to unleash you. I want to unstick you. I want to get you unstuck from where you are. I want your life to be set on fire. I want to unleash myself. I want to get unstuck. And I know I know every week when we gather the Holy Spirit is here. We can't he can't not be here. He is present. He is doing a work, but more importantly, this is true for you if you are in Christ. If you are a Christian, if some point in your journey you placed your faith and your trust and your life into the hands of Jesus as your Lord, as your savior, as your god the one true god and you acknowledged him as that then this is what's true of you you are in christ and christ is in you and this means that your life is infused with god god is in you and you know what this means it means that you don't have to wonder what your purpose is You don't have to wait to find out what your purpose is, because your purpose is in you. God is in you. Do you know that to be true? Jesus, when he brought the new covenant and he created the new covenant community that he called the church, that's what Jesus did. He ushered off, of course, he came to rescue us, to usher in salvation, to bring in the new covenant, and and to continue that new covenant. He created a community called the church, and he didn't just create a building, he created a movement. He didn't just create a gathering, he commissioned a sending. He said, go, or the language in the Great Commission is actually, as you go, Wherever you are, you're going, be the hands, be the feet of the gospel expression. The invitation of Jesus was never, you never will find this in the New Testament, you can search, not even in the Greek. There was never an invitation from Jesus that said, oh ye, come and sit in a pew, Oh, ye come and have a better marriage, have be better parents, have better kids, have a gooder life, be a gooder person. The invitation of Jesus was take up your cross. Your cross. Your cross. Take up the cross that he has given to you. Die to your small vision of yourself. We have such small visions for ourselves. And we have a God who has a grand vision for us. Die to your small vision of yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Do you think Jesus meant something small when he said, follow me? Follow the God of the universe? And where are we following Jesus? We're following Jesus to extend the rule and the reign of God, that's what we mean when Jesus said he came and he brought the kingdom. The kingdom, a kingdom has a king. And the king is God, Yahweh, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he rules and he reigns. And when we bring in, when we join in the mission of Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we are following him to usher in the rule and the reign of God throughout the world so that everybody, your neighbor, your co-worker, your sibling who lives in Nebraska, I don't know, your parent, your friend, would have an opportunity to live their purpose. And their purpose is to have God in them and to live as worshipers of him. John Piper says that the reason that missions exists is because worship doesn't. That's why we go to the uttermost parts of the world. While we go to the crevices of Los Angeles and to the workplaces and all those places is because that person has not yet had an opportunity to live in worship. And if that doesn't grieve you, then perhaps you haven't lived in worship and known the sweetness of belonging to God and having God in you, right? We're following Jesus into his mission of extending God's kingdom. And yes, have a better marriage, and I I say lean into that for sure, but have a better marriage for the sake of God's kingdom, for the extension of God's glory. Marriage was created to be a reflection of the image of God, right? That's what Paul says in, in Ephesians. He says that marriage was created so that people could see God in your relationship. Yes, be a better parent for the sake of God's beauty releasing your children into the purposes of God, understanding that when you're given a child, you are not given a child just to have a family and have your grandkids live down the street. That would be wonderful and awesome. And if that happens, good on you, only good on you if that's God's intent. Because you know what you're given when you're given a child? You're given a stewardship you're given an image bearer. You're given an image bearer to set loose into the world, which means they may not live near you. They actually may live in a whole other country. Your grandkids may live, grow up in another state for the glory of God. Because you being a parent isn't just to have somebody take care of you when you get old. You being a parent is to release image bearers into the world. That was the the first great commission. Multiply. Be fruitful and multiply image bearers. So good on you if you have, have kids, great, right? But release them. I know some of you are saying, I'd love to, but they're not walking with Jesus. Well, pray for that but as you're raising and releasing, whether it's little ones or grown ones, if you're single, take your singleness, set it on the altar, and let God set your life on fire. Let Him release you into His purposes. As a doctor, as a lawyer, as a friend, As a teacher, as a domestic worker, whatever your role is, let him set you on fire. Let him bring joy through you. I walked through the gate at Dodger Stadium last week and a woman, the woman checking, you know, the security person, you know what? She brought me joy because she said, boy, I hope there's nothing in here, Christian Assembly. And I, I looked up, and she, I go to the Christian assembly. And she brought me joy. <laughs> Wherever you are. Right? Be good, people. But not for your reputation. But for the reputation of God. For the purposes of God. Take your work. Take your finances. Take your dreams. Take your talents. Take your gifts and get in step with the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture invites us to and what Romans invites us to is this section of Romans, really probably going back to Romans 6, but Romans 12, Paul starts getting really, really practical. And what he's doing is he's inviting us to this. He's saying, don't just get faith, live faith. Right? Don't just accept Jesus into your heart. Let Jesus explode your heart. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, logical judgment, good judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, your study talked about the nuances of that, but here's what I want to focus on. I think Paul is saying, don't think too high of yourself. Don't think too low of yourself. Let the gospel define you. In the context, because of what he's just said, remember, therefore therefore the therefore is because of the gospel, because of the good news of Jesus, because of what the gospel says about you. And this is what Tim Keller, how he defines the gospel, I think this is so helpful. He says, "The gospel is this: I am more flawed and sinful than I ever dared hope." Right, I ever, ever dared believe I am more flawed and sinful than I ever dared believe. So I can't think too high of myself. I understand myself to be flawed, to be a person born into sin. And then he says, but I am even more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. So I can't think too low of myself. I, the God of the universe is crazy about me. Right? We are saved sinners. We are sinners made into saints by God's grace, by God's work accomplished in Jesus Christ. And when we see this, when we have a view of God, again, Romans 12, 1 and 2, when we have a view of God, it humbles us, but it also emboldens us. It puts courage in us. The rally call of the Christian is the gospel. The rally call of the Christian is live into what has been accomplished for you. The rally call for the Christian, it doesn't just call us, it sends us. Go, make disciples. There's no just sitting in pews. There's no just receiving. Now I know there's seasons when that is necessary, and I want to say that. That's why discipleships helps, because we need people around us who say to us, "No, no, no, you need to get off out of the pew and you need to go." and we need people around us who say, hey you you need I'm going to give you permission. <laughs> uh, you need to just sit. you need you just need to be." But for the normative Christian life, there's no just sitting in pews. there's no just receiving the Holy Spirit is poured into us so that we can be poured out, right. We're rescued by Christ so that we can join in his mission of rescuing. We're given gifts. We're given grace so that we can be givers of grace. We're empowered to empower others. We're loved so that we can love. This is the reason for the spiritual gifts that are given by God. After Jesus lived that life that we couldn't live, died the death we could never die. After he was resurrected, before he was ascended back to the Father, he looked at his little band of believers, and what did he say? He said, you're going to receive power. He didn't say, you're going to receive a pew, go sit in it. I know I'm beating that drum, but I'm going to keep beating that drum. He said, you're going to receive power power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses and you're going to join my mission and what's interesting is that when this did come in Acts chapter 2 it's a probably one of the greatest moments in history right when the Holy Spirit was poured out on that new fledgling church called the way they were followers of Jesus who said I am the way And the church then was just called The Way. They were believers in Jesus. And Peter, on that day, he preaches a sermon. And he recognizes and he acknowledges that what just happened, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon these believers that's building and advancing Jesus' church, he recognized this as as a fulfillment of the prophecy that had been made in Joel, the book of Joel. And so he quotes this prophecy, and it says this. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The expectation of the early church was not merely to gather once a week and sing some songs and hear some announcements and hear a sermon. The expectation of that early church was to continue the ministry that Jesus had brought to earth. The early church understood themselves to be a continuation, to be extenders of what Jesus had begun with miracles and signs and wonders and compassion and power over demonic oppression and care and love and salvation and justice. You know, Jesus said to them, he said, I'm gonna go and it's actually better that I go because I'm gonna pour my spirit out upon you and in you. And then you're going to accomplish greater things than I've done, right? And what did he mean by that? What he meant by that was at that time in history, Jesus had limited himself, if you will, to a time and space, right? He was only doing miracles and and casting out demons and, and bringing the message of the kingdom to this small little area, right? Not very big, and he's saying, now, when I pour my spirit upon you, you can go everywhere. And that's what's beautiful about Christianity. You know, Christianity is one religion that isn't really grounded in one part, one region of the world. It's everywhere. It's spreading everywhere. Yes, it's a lot in Texas, but it's, but it's, <laughs> but it's alive and vibrant in ways in South America. Right, right. All over, even in Iran, the church is growing and building. In China, the church is expanding and growing. The church of Jesus is going out. And that's exactly what he intended when he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you are going to do these things, you're going to bring salva- the, the message of salvation. You're going to bring love. You're going to bring compassion. You're going to bring miracles. You're going to bring healings. You're going to bring about, through Christ, of course, you're going to bring about power over demonic oppression and darkness. And all of this came about through that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in believers. But what I want to say This morning is that it also came about through the distribution of spiritual gifts to all believers. That's what we're talking about, right? That's what we're looking at in Romans. There was a distribution of the spiritual gifts by God as he chose to all believers, right? The gifts of God placed in us for the good of the community, the advancement of the kingdom across the street, right next door in our worlds and so we're going to continue on in Romans and some other passages of scripture and I'm just going to make some observations along the way so we got a lot to look at so hang on grab your pen Romans twelve four. Paul goes on and he says for just as each of us has one body with many members And these members do not all have the same function. You've got a body, and it's got a foot, and it's got a hand, and it's got a brain, and it's got a nose, right? They don't all have the same function, but they're all one body. Verse 5, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Here's my observation. Observation number one. There is no free solo in the church, you've seen that documentary, there's no lone rangers, there's no private faith, people want to say that, right, well, I have a a faith, and it's just kind of private, there's no holy huddle, there's no us for no more, this is what I do, right, there is a belonging to each other like a family, and if you've ever been in a family, which everyone here has, uh, at some level, families can be irritating, families can be frustrating, But then there's something beautiful about that, right, of this family that you've been given, that God created, and that's what he's done with the body of Christ. The church is filled with all kinds of people, with all kinds of gifts. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Observation two, we all have different gifts, but here's the main point, use them. Whatever gift you have, use it, right? Stop comparing Stop competing, stop performing, stop shrinking back. Oh, I don't I don't know. I'm not like the one person that didn't get a gift from God, you know. Santa forgot me this year. God forgot me this year. Right. Stop shrinking back. Use your gift. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 7, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. Again, this is where context helps. In this this point, the you there is a y'all, and he's speaking to the church. So he's not saying, hey, you, one person. This is where burnout happens in the church. You you don't lack any gifts. you got to do it all. It's all up to you. No, he's speaking to a church, and he's saying, y'all, you, you. Church in Corinth, you don't lack any spiritual gift as a body, as a community, as you wait for the Lord Jesus Christ. Observation three: No church. This is what I believe. No church lacks the gifts it needs to accomplish God's purposes for that church. And here's what happens. I call it the. This is where I think burnout comes in the church. It's it's what I call the first uh, the first Corinthians twelve. Thing where he lays out the gifts and the, that we need each other and all that kind of stuff, and here's what happens. We think, especially because in a Western society, we're so individualistic, I have to do it all. And that's so unbiblical. No, I do what I've been given to do, and you do what you've been given to do, and if we're all doing what we've been given to do, then the church advances and the kingdom goes forth and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. And people become worshipers. And they live out their gifts and their purposes. First Corinthians 12 says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given so that they look cool in the church. (laughs) To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given so that people think you're super spiritual. No. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit... Given through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. Now, I'm not going to define all of these. Some of them, I am going to stop and define. That's a whole bigger conversation. But you can. We'll we'll talk about how to explore that. So to one, message of wisdom; to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit; to another, faith by the same Spirit; to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Are we a church that believes God heals? Are we praying for healing? Now, I, I, I understand that what, what I bump up against this is, but what about when people aren't healed? I appreciate what Pastor Doug Surratt said. He has a church in North Carolina, and recently they've been experiencing, they're seeing a lot of healings. But he has a daughter or a daughter in law, I'm not sure, uh, who has cancer and has not been healed. And, and in, at this church, they've had over 200, like, checked out, confirmed healings, but not his daughter, daughter-in-law, whoever it is. And he said this in, in, a, in a message that he wrote. He said, here's what we believe. Some are healed immediately through prayer. God can do that, and we've seen that. Some are healed progressively by doctors and by medicine doctors and nurses and medical professionals are a gift of god they are the hands and the feet of god and then he said some are healed eternally by entry into heaven and we just don't know but it doesn't mean we don't pray and it doesn't mean we put guilt or shame on the person we're praying for we don't say it's it's up to you you didn't have enough faith you didn't do enough you're something you must have some sin in your life and all that because if that's the problem nobody's getting healed because we all have sinner right but we pray for healing, and we bring that to people. But we, again, we don't shame people, we don't guilt people, we don't, we, don't put, we don't box God into a corner and demand. We just say, Lord, we know you can, and we pray for this, right? We become a church that prays by faith. To another is given miraculous powers, and that would be, I think, I, I, I used a lot of definitions from Wayne Grudem's Systematic, but he says um, miraculous powers, any activity where God's mighty power is evident. To another, prophecy, which Grudem defines, I think this is helpful, it's, this one gets debated a lot, but he just calls it telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. And he says this, and I think it's helpful. This is not adding to scripture. It's always tested by scripture. It's not telling anyone, thus saith the Lord. Again, a lot of times where spiritual gifts get wacky and wiggly and messed up is like with, like with healing, where we can shame somebody, where we can make it all, again, take away the power of God and make it about our power. You didn't have enough faith, you didn't have enough this, you didn't have enough that. That's removing the power of God from the situation. And in the same way, this gift of prophecy that can be such a gift to the community, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind, but to do it with a grace, with a sense of, I don't know, but I sense God is saying this. I had this happen to me actually in my huddle on Monday night my huddle we were praying for one another and at the end one of the women who i trust who has a deep relationship with the lord who loves his word is a woman of prayer she says stop 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 i feel like we need to pray again for cheryl and then she started to share something that she felt and had sensed. she knows nothing of what's gone on in my life in the past two weeks and it is spot on it is spot on and i'm like just sitting there going but she risked and said, and she didn't say, again, she didn't say, God told me, or this is she just said, I'm sensing something. And I'm just kind of sensing this, Cheryl. I don't know if this connects, but I'm sensing, and she kind of unfolded. And I went, oh my word. Are you reading my journals? Are you breaking into my house? <laughs> and I said, You're you're right there. And you know what that did for me? It built my faith. But you know what, more importantly, because of this particular situation, it's like I heard so clearly through this friend who was willing to kind of speak something, I heard God say, I see you, tangibly, and I needed that. I heard God say, I'm for you. I've got you, right? So, it goes on. Um, it says to another, distinguishing between spirits. And this, and and actually, this friend I think had the same this same gifting in this moment. Uh, Grudem defines that as this special ability to recognize the influence of the Holy Spirit or of demonic spirits in a person's uh, in a person or a situation. And in this particular situation, she just said, "Cheryl, I'm just seeing, and I'm he- I'm just kind of hearing." Um, and I know this is going to sound weird, but it's, she was so right on. I can't dismiss it. Um, I'm hearing just mumbling and a gr- that's that's of the demonic against you, and I sense that. And again, I was like, "Oh my word!" And you know what that gave to me? God's power is bigger than that grumbling and that murmuring, right? To another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And again, tongues is one of those things that can get, kind of go sideways. Um, Grudem calls it prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. Of course, the interpretation would be that uh, they could communicate the meaning of it. And um, where I think this gift gets sideways, I think, I believe it is a gift given by God. I don't think it's ceased personally. It's hard to argue, in my opinion, from the scripture. Um, it is a gift, again, to the community. It's a gift of, in prayer. It's a gift in all kinds of ways. But when it becomes the litmus test of your spirituality... If you don't have tongues, uh, the gift of tongues, then you must not really have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the gift of tongues, God must not be working through you. That anything that we say, if you don't have this, because we're going to look at how God distributes gifts, right? Anything anything that's about our ego and not his glory is always going to go sideways. Always. So, this goes on. All these are works of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them, each one, just as he determines. There's a point when Paul uh, says, you know, do, do all have the gift of tongues? Do all have the gift of whatever? And he goes kind of through a list, and the language there is he's saying, no, not everybody has all these things. Because God distributes as he determines. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but there are one, there is one body. Observation four. All gifts are from God. They are for the common good, and God distributes as he pleases. I remember doing a study in the book of Numbers years ago, which um, actually has some amazing stuff in it. But the thing that I'll always take away from that study was there's this point when God's distributing, like, basically, who gets to carry things. Like, you get to carry the ark. You get to carry the, you know, this thing for the tabernacle. You get to carry that. And then there's one part. It's like, and you get to carry the candlesticks. And I remember in my quiet time, I was like, what if I got the candlestick? I want the ark. I wanna carry the ark. I wanna be, be out there in front, right, with the ark. But would I, and I felt like this was the whisper of the Lord to me, Cheryl, would you be willing to carry the candlestick if that's what I gave you to carry? If I, that's what I wanted you to carry? And I wanna say yes. 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That's why we want to talk about that. We want to desire these gifts. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Be eager, pursue the gifts, but do so to build up the church, right? Observation five, seek the gifts, and how do we do it? We do it by prayer and practice. We say, Lord, would you give me these gifts? Would you give me, start naming some. We know that there's no complete list of the gifts in the scripture because every, every list is a little bit different. The only one that actually shows up in every list or most list is prophecy. And so we say, I wanna pursue the gifts. So we, gotta, we say, Lord, we get our community to pray with us. God, would you, would you give me some these gifts? What gifts would you have for me? And then practice them, try it out. Like this friend, hey, I think I heard from God. I'm gonna put it out there. Would we create, a friend of mine said this to me recently, there used to be a space in the church to, to be a safe place to kind of try things. Mm-hmm. Could we cr- be a safe place like that? Where in our group, somebody is able to say, hey, I think I heard this. What do you think? And, 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 and let the group kind of go, uh, eh, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> but they're practicing, and there's grace, and it's not failure. It's like, yay, you, you tried, you know, you, you st- put it out there. Hey, I, I think I might have a gift of teaching. I want to practice that somewhere. Where can I practice it? Hey, I think I have a gift of administration and organizing. Where can I try that? Where can I practice that? And then everything falls apart, and you know, you're horrible with details, and you go, okay, I don't. Um, but but you're, pra- you're praying, you're practicing to build up the church. And then 1 Peter says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins offer hospitality which is a gift to one another without grumbling each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms the motivation, the last observation the motivation for using our gifts is love and service right so where do we go from here we got to know the gifts That's, you did some of that in your study There again not a complete list there Know the purpose to build up the church in love and service. Know that no Christian can just sit in a pew. No Christian just gets to be an observer, observer. All of us are full-on participants, and participants train. They learn. They lean in. They show up for practice. I have some books that I'm going to send to the leaders to send to you Um uh, that are, are I think are good on spiritual gifts. Some are really bad. So there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. We'll try to send you what I think, my personal opinion, some good ones. And let me just end with this. I was reading an um, article, an interview with Joe Kelly, who you guys know, right? Pitcher for the Dodgers. Just acquired... <laughs> just i know i'm going a little long here but i got to share the joe kelly story um so joe kelly just got acquired from the red sox he's a relief pitcher and he totally destroyed us in the world series and um, he's having little tr- troubles right now. We could stop and pray, but we don't have time. But, um, but the dude, if you've ever seen him play, if you watch the World Series, he's the guy who had the kind of glasses, and he's just passionate on the mound. And he's just having fun, and he's amped up, and he's, he's crying things out, and, and he's just having a blast. Well, in this article about him, Max Muncie, who you guys know, of course, first baseman for the Dodgers. Um, Max, also a Baylor graduate which is my alma mater max says he says i can't tell you how mad it made me last year when we were seeing joe kelly um striking out a guy and he's walking off the mound and he's acting crazy and he's screaming woohoo and it made me so mad because that's what i wanted to be doing And he's doing it because he's shutting us down, because he loves playing the game, because he loves being in the game. And later in the article, Joe Kelly talked about how when he was a kid, he really was passionate about skateboarding, not baseball, because he said this. Anyone else know this? He said baseball was too slow. (laughs) He couldn't watch it. He couldn't watch it. He just couldn't watch it, like with his dad and that kind of stuff. He didn't want to watch baseball. But once he started playing baseball, he said, I had a blast. You see, there's people who are just watching the Christian life. There's people who are just watching other people talk about the Christian life. There's people who are watching other people live the Christian life. In our church, we have, you know, an international leader started a hospice in Kenya named Julie. Right? So we go, "Yay, Julie! I want to watch you. You go, Julie!" And we should, because she's awesome. But we're just watching. We're watching those people who d- usher in the kingdom, but we're not playing. And no wonder. Christianity is boring. No wonder the church is boring. I want us to play. I looked up the definition in the dictionary. It means enjoyment. I want us to have fun. I want us to be out on the playing field. I want us to study the Gifts. Read it, about it in the scripture. Read some good books on it. Get some good teaching on it, And then I want us to try the gifts. I want us to practice them. I want us to experiment them. And then I want us to see what the Lord might do in this community. That he would unleash you and he would unleash me into his kingdom work. May it be. Father, do it in Jesus' name. Amen.